Hey everybody, I'm Anna J. Wollner with Indie Author Chat, and I am thrilled and ecstatic to have with me Rosalind Breyer today. Rosalind, if you would introduce yourself for those who don't know who you are. Hi everyone. Yeah, I'm Rosalind Breyer. I'm a dark fantasy indie author, and my first book came out last May, so May 5th, 2020, The Crown of Bones. And um and just in December, I released my second novel, A Sea of Pearls and Leaves. Which is by far, the it is a gorgeous cover, which you guys saw in the beginning. And it has generated a ton of buzz. That's why I say if you haven't heard of her and seen this book, it is everywhere. And it is getting rave reviews already for just having been released a couple of months ago. So what is that, what has that been like to see it just go through the roof? What every indie author hopes is that it just takes off flying. So what, what has that been like? Yeah, it's been great. You know, this was, um, I would say this is definitely a book of my heart. I put so much of my soul into it, into the characters. And I just, I worked so hard on this book. And so to get, you know, to get really nice reviews and to get people, you know, um, so many people loving the cover and it's just been, yeah, it's definitely been a dream. I guess back when I started writing, I just wasn't sure whatever, whatever I would do with, you know, these works that I was writing. And then now to have actual books in front of me, it's, it's pretty awesome. <laughs> and to see this kind of success that, that, that this book has has gotten um a sea of pearls and leaves is like i said um i instagram uh tiktok uh twitter it's just it, in the bookosphere it is a buzz right now so um I, I can you tell us maybe a little bit about it without giving too much away oh sure yeah, so A Sea of Pearls and Leaves is a dark fantasy fairy tale retelling um, from a lesser known tale of the Grimm's fairy tale. So it's called The Three Snake Leaves. And, um, and in that story, there's just this eccentric princess who doesn't really want to get married. So she creates this crazy um, rule that if she should die first, her husband has to be buried with her and buried alive and so she thinks that nobody will agree to it but then one man does and then there's these resurrection leaves and basically all this chaos happens and so in my book I kind of took that initial idea that there's this princess who is trying to avoid marriage creates this rule and so in mine the princess is Ingrid and she's happily in love with her girlfriend Lilura and so the two of them create this contract that should Ingrid die first, then her husband must be buried at sea beside her. And they don't think that the suitors, which so her father, the king, invites all these suitors to come um, and try to woo her. And uh, so whenever they all agree to her contract, she's kind of thrown for a loop. And so they're thrown into this whole competition of suitors and then there's murders and yeah. So that's kind of the beginning of the premise for you. And uh, 
So hopefully, uh, hopefully that did okay to describe it. <laughs> it has me thoroughly intrigued. And um, I have to go pull out my Grimm's fairy tale in there and read the original first. And then I am absolutely buying that book. Um, <laughs> yeah, I uh, whenever that was one of my favorite favorite fairy tales of the Grimm's fairy tales, there's that. And then the other one I love is the Seven Ravens. And so I knew I wanted to tell this story kind of, but I wanted to make it different. So in the original tale, they are the two, the prince and the princess are buried in a crypt. But in mine, I just kept seeing like these boat graves. And so I'm like, okay, so what kind of culture would have boat graves? And so I knew they needed to be on an island and I knew they needed to um, have some sort of mythology around the water. And so it just really grew from there. And that is the first book. Is that, or is this, is this a sea of pearls and leaves? Yes. Yeah. Okay. So it's, okay. Um, okay. Yeah. It's a sea of pearls and leaves is a standalone novel. So it's not connected to the crown of bones. I was going to ask if it was a standalone or if it was part of a series. Yeah. So you, you beat me to that one. <laughs> uh, but um, I, I always, I love to see how a genre or a theme is done differently and to take a fairy tale and completely turn it around and, and reshape it. That has to be a new level of world building. Um, can you talk about that process? Because yeah, yeah I um, I definitely loved doing the world building for this. Um, yeah, because with when it comes to fairy tales, even the ones that we've re that we've heard and we've you know that we've seen retold over and over again. Even those original tales like Beauty and the Beast or Cinderella, even those, if you go back to the original tale, there's not much to them. They're, the Grimm's fairy tales or any other fairy tale that you read, um, they're usually kind of short. They don't really give character names and they don't say much about the culture or anything. So you're just kind of left with like this idea. And so that's what I love about any sort of retelling, whether it's a story that you've seen a bunch or whether it's something new um, that you haven't seen a lot. It's still like these kind of ideas and, you know, what makes them magical. And so it's just so fun to kind of build upon that. And like I said, for this one, I just started with that idea of the boat graves and then I built the world around that. And, um, and so it takes place on Norella Isle and they worship the goddess of the sea and they, yeah, they, because they're on a small Island, they, you know, they bury, they bury their deceased with boat graves. And so it just kind of all kind of came together from there. But I do love the idea of these, you know, these small ideas that happen in a fairy tale and then kind of turning it into a full plot and a full story. It, uh, it does, it takes, you know, the same amount of work as it would, you know, a fresh story, because again, the, what you come up, what you see in a fairy tale, it's very limited on what you can use or what's really there. They're not, they're not very meaty themselves. So it's definitely fun to see what, um, it's fun to do it myself to change things up. And it's also fun to read other retellings to see what are they going to change? What are they going to, what kind of world are they going to create? So yeah, I definitely love 
Definitely love fairy tale retellings. So you kind of get get to start with a spark and then nurture it into a, a completely new flame. That's that's awesome. So you've built a whole new kingdom and new rules and new everything in in the book. Yes. Yeah. It's um, so it's just its own little fantasy world there um, where the princess lives. It's in um, it's Norella Isle. But then there's um, she has all these suitors coming from these other kingdoms. And so um, like I would sketch out like in a sketchbook, like where all these places were. Um, I don't have an official map or anything, but um, it was definitely fun to like figure out where people would come from and try to make tried to make the suitors feel like they were from different cultures. And even though I, they weren't completely their culture and their kingdom wasn't completely f fleshed out in the world building, but I wanted them to each feel unique. And then um, and then I had with the with Norella Isle and with the world building, I almost treated it like it was its own character and made sure that, you know, there was some sort of world building or just the feeling or the atmosphere was on every single page. Like people would just, you'd open your book and you'd know that's where you were. Like you were definitely on Norella Isle. And so um, I've had multiple people say they really felt like they were there. They could smell the sea salt. And so that was like one of the best compliments I've gotten. I've, I've had two people say that in reviews that they really could like smell the sea salt in the air. And so I was like, all right, I did my job of like creating the setting. <laughs> you incorporate all the, all of the senses, sight, sound, touch, mm -hmm. smell, everything. Yes. So yeah, I think it's important to, um, and to, uh, you know, do that and do it often, you know, to make sure, you know, to keep the setting, like, feel real. And so the characters are always interacting with their setting, and that way the reader feels like they're actually there. That's awesome. And then uh, I just, I wanted to talk about a couple of the themes that the book touches on, which is, um, it does touch on anxiety and it's very inclusive to the LGBTQ community, uh, which I love. Can you explain a little more about those themes and and um, kind of expound on them? Let us, let us in on that thought process. Yes, definitely. So um, what people will find with this book is that um, there, there is LGBTQ representation. Um, the main character, Ingrid, is bisexual. Her girlfriend, Lura, actually, she kind of grows and develops in her sexuality. So I think at first she's unsure. Um, and she just has, um, to her, she just has this special heart. She doesn't quite understand where she fits and everything, and she doesn't know, and she grows and um, it's never explicitly stated, but at first she's, like I said, unsure, but, um, but and it's never explicitly stated, but she's Demi um, and she realized, you know, she kind of realizes that to her heart, it doesn't matter what someone looks like. And so she kind of more falls in love with someone's soul. And so, um, so yeah, she's um, quite a unique character. And then there's, um, there's also 
the idea of polyamory in there. So if anyone's you know interested in that topic, um, that definitely happens. And yeah, so I think um, overall, I just enjoy, I, I really enjoyed writing these characters. I was just hoping that it would really connect with readers who might be able to see themselves in one of them or to just feel like, feel comfortable with them. Like um, just seeing that representation in like a sort of like high fantasy book, you know? Um, so I was hoping that that would be, um, you know, maybe exciting for readers too. And then when it comes to anxiety, my, um, the other, so there's Ingrid, Lilura, and Soren, who are the main characters, the, and so their chapters, like they're the um, point of view chapters. And so Soren is um, a prince and he suffers from anxiety. And so he, he's the, he's all of all the suitor. He's the one that doesn't want to be there. He's, he tries to turn his ship around. He's just, um, you know, he's just the little cinnamon roll who is just so scared to go. I, I just learned what that was not very long ago. So I'm, that's hilarious that you just you said that because I just finally learned what that is. Sorry. Okay. I'm sorry to interrupt. No, not at all. So yeah, so Soren um, suffers from anxiety, but um, whenever he and Ingrid are together, he feels comfortable around her and then he realizes, um, they end up talking more, he realizes that she sort of suffers from anxiety too. Although Ingrid's quite um, comfortable with her own sexuality, she's always been talked about, you know, she's almost like this celebrity. I mean, she's the princess, so she's, people are always talking about her. And so she just, if she's in public, she gets so nervous and she can't, she doesn't really like to handle public events. And so um, Soren teaches her one of his anxiety coping mechanisms. And so it's just good that they can kind of bond over that. So, um, so yeah, I just hope that um, that will also speak to some readers. Um, I actually had um, a few reviews come in that say they really appreciated how well Soren I guess, represented um, kind of, you know, um, anxiety and um, they really liked, they really felt a connection with him because they could see themselves in him. And then I also had someone um, tell me that his anxiety coping mechanism was exactly what they do. And so they like sent me a message saying, wow, what he does in the book, that's what I do. And they had never heard of anyone else doing it. And so if you guys read the book, then you'll know what he does because he's constantly thinking about it. It happens like every time Soren's on the page, he's probably doing it. And so, um, but yeah, I had someone reach out and say that's exactly what they do. So it just felt um, really special to write him in there and just kind of give a different view of what a hero could look like in a fantasy novel. Um, yeah. Or Ingrid and Lilura are super strong women. Um, and so it was kind of neat to balance them out with what some people might think is not the strongest hero in Soren, but he really is strong in his own right. Despite his anxiety, he still um, can be a hero. He still 
he still gets the nickname Soren the Savior in the competition. So he still he can still do some awesome things. <laughs> There's a lot just in what you've said that tells me that the characters you you you're gonna watch them grow and mm -hmm. learn more about themselves. There's some, some self discovery that you explore here, especially in dealing with sensuality and the way that the characters identify, which is fantastic. I think that um, a lot of readers will really get benefit out of that and appreciate it. And then to be inclusive and sensitive to anxiety, which is you know, um, a, a big thing that a lot of us, myself included, uh, I appreciate that because, you know, it's uh, something that I deal with on a daily basis. And we'll see if, if Soren and I have the same, that'll be interesting to see if, if maybe we have the same coping mechanism. Mm -hmm. That's <laughs> awesome. So I, I want to talk about the cover because it is so eye-catching. You <laughs> can't miss it. Scroll through anywhere and, and that's book related and, that, yep, you it, you will see it. It 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 just jumps off of the page. Is there uh, is there any symbolism behind that? I know that the that the story is is the the snake and three leaves, mm -hmm. but is there any symbolism with your take on the in in of the fairy tale in the book? Yes. Yeah. Thank you for saying that too. Um, yeah, I have the book here and I really Please. appreciate all the kind comments, but yeah, I just, I love the, I love it so much. So the colors are amazing. The, the shading is amazing. Everything is gorgeous. With yeah. The I know it's, I don't know if it's backwards. Um, no, no, no. But, okay. It's just backwards for me then. <laughs> Yeah. So yeah, I just, yeah, I do love the colors and the little pearls everywhere. And then the back also makes me happy. Because usually the back of indie books, especially my, even my other one, I thought my other book was really pretty, but this one just, you know, the added seashell and the pearls just makes it kind of fun. So, and this, this is actually based off of your design, off of something that you drew, which is which is awesome that you had someone that could take, take I, I'm not good at drawing at all. So um, no one could, could, could create a cover from anything I draw, but, um, <laughs> but, but uh, that someone was able to, that you created the cover and the, it's all you and your take on the story. Yeah. So a lot, like a while back when I was still editing the novel and um, I, you know, I was getting close to the time to um, book a cover designer and I knew who I wanted. I had seen some of her work, um, like graphic design skills, and I knew that um, she would do a good job. She's Nicole Haley, which is at Nicole Haley Art on Instagram. And um, so I had done a little sketch. I love to share my writing journey on Instagram and I had done some sketches. One was a snake that was broken into pieces um, and had little leaves coming out of it. And she kind of, she took that idea and created this and I just was blown away. But the, it, it does have symbolism to it. So in the original tale, the, um, 
when the prince and princess are in the crypt, this the there's a snake that comes and tries to attack the prince. He's still alive, but like buried alive. And um, he cuts it up. And then another snake brings these magic leaves and heals his little friend, I guess. <laughs> and so, um, and that's kind of the idea of that, that why it's, it's well, that's why it's cut up is because wow. in, the, in the original story, there was a snake that was cut up. Now, no, snakes were, no snakes were harmed in my story, <laughs> um, but Lelura has two pet snakes and one of them is an all white snake. So I like to pretend that this is opal. So this is opal on the cover and um, one of Lelura's snakes, but yeah. And then the leaves coming out of it just sort of re represent the healing or the resurrection leaves that um, the characters in the book, Lelura and Nilsson will discover. And so, um, and then there's pearls on it, of course, which is the reason it's called Sea of Pearls and Leaves. I just explained the leaves, but for the pearls, it's because the princess Ingrid, not only does she have anxiety about being in public, but she is haunted by this, what she, what she and Lelura have been calling her doppelganger. There's this creepy thing in the mirrors or any reflective surfaces, whether it's her bathtub, um, the ocean or the sea. Um, so there's any kind of reflective surfaces or windows. And that's kind of actually in the first, I could read the first lines of the book, but um, she's kind of haunted by this doppelganger that sort of looks like her, but it's also a bit grotesque. It's like, um, it's got barnacles on it. It's got you know, tangled white hair, and it's got a tail like a mermaid. And so she's haunted by this thing throughout the entire book. And so to protect her from, they think it's an omen of death. And so to protect her from death, Lelura creates this enchanted pearl powder, like she crushes up pearls, and then they, they put per, this, you know, this powder all over Ingrid. So she's always like shiny. She's always wearing pearls. And so, um, so that's why it's, that's where that title comes from. Um, but yes, yeah, so that's why the pearls are on there. So yeah. Uh, but yeah, the cover just says so much about the story. And even on the back, when readers see this, they'll know the special meaning of the Nautilus. Um, it's something that was special between Ingrid and her mother. And so it's just everything about the cover is just so special to me. <laughs> And the cut, the fact that it's cut into three pieces is kind of an homage to the original tale. Yes, definitely. Which you wouldn't otherwise have known. Mm -mm. Yeah, because other people might look at it and then they, they read the story and there's no snakes that are harmed. <laughs> um, but uh, So they but, might yeah. question that. Why? And then you, so mm -hmm. only here, get yes. the answers. Get the good information here. <laughs> So is this something that, because the, the other book um, that, that, that you released last year, uh, mm -hmm. the city of, uh, the city of bone as um, the crown of bones, yeah. the crown of bones, I'm sorry. Uh, it is also a fairy tale retelling. Um, mm -hmm. So that is something that you have kind of um, taken on. Is there another fairy tale retelling that is in the works? There certainly is. So with the crown of bones, um, that story is kind of, it was this idea of bringing all Grimm's fairy tales together and have them all 
they all have the same villain. And so um, that's why all the stories are connected. And um, a book I'm working on at the moment is the sequel to The Crown of Bones, which is called The Bone Needle. Um, and that's, it's called that because there's this, they find out in The Crown of Bones that there is this bone needle that has magic of the gods is how the stories have been woven into these magical tapestries. And so, um, so that's the bone needle I'm working on, but I'm also working on a, a super exciting project, which is a Maleficent origin story. And so it's, um, I'm already pretty excited about it. I've got, I just keep coming up with these ideas and yeah, I'm pretty excited. It's, it kind of feels to me the way A Sea of Pearls and Leaves did when I was writing it. It's just that special kind of, I'm excited about this. I know it's going to, mm -hmm. I yeah. know I can do something really great with it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm excited because I know, uh, you know, there's been multiple Sleeping Beauty retellings. And obviously with the Disney movies, I'm not going to be able to call it Maleficent, but um right. Because that name is trademarked by Disney. They came up with that name. But um, in the fairy tales, she was just either called the wicked fairy or the evil fairy. And so, um, and then, and I think one of the ballets, she was called Carabas. Um, I'm not sure if I'm even pronouncing it right. So I'm kind of giving her her own story. And I know obviously Disney did theirs, but mine will be completely different. And yeah, really excited about it. So yeah, and for, for I mean, if if you guys haven't read Grimm's fairy tales, you know, you hear the the term fairy tales, and it sounds like oh, this is just a, you guys. These are dark. They they they're dark, and um, so I can I can just imagine that. And and from from listening to what you say, it is a, a dark fantasy. It does explore some some dark amateur themes. So, guys, even though it's a, a gorgeous cover and it is, <laughs> it's it's not for it's not YA. So, uh, it is definitely an adult. Definitely some adult. steamy scenes in there. <laughs> so, uh, guys, this is definitely one that I'm going to be picking up <laughs> as soon as we get uh, off of here. I'm going straight to Amazon. Um, no kidding. And, um, but yes, I, I just, um, it's, it's been such a pleasure to talk to you and hear the creative genius that you have put behind some of the most beloved, uh, fairy tales that some of us might know, and some of us may never have heard of before. And to see them done in such a different way is, uh, such a creative art is that is that not so fun to be able to to weave something that is completely your own from from these tales? Oh, definitely. Yeah, it uh, it really is. I think. I mean, I haven't been writing for that long, but when I started, I didn't think I would kind of stick to the theme of fairy tales. Like the Crown of Bones was just like I just like that idea of having all these stories have the same villain. And so, um, but then after that, whenever I had the idea for a sea of pearls and leaves, I'm like, wow. So I guess I'm, I'm, a, I'm a fairy tale writer. I don't know. <laughs> I, I, 
a different take on fairy tales, bringing them into a new and inclusive light, which I greatly, do we see that inclusivity uh, also in, in, in the first book as well? And will we see it moving forward? Yeah, so there's a little bit of it in The Crown of Bones, um, but the, the main couple in The Crown of Bones, it, they're a straight couple. Um, but then um, moving forward, so the Maleficent story, um, I think there will be some because I already, I'm still like in the beginning phases of it, but I already know that the, um, so it's going to be, there's going to be two points of view, which is, I've already revealed the name. So I guess it's okay. not if I say it, I revealed them on, um, like on my Instagram and stuff, but Miravel, who becomes Maleficent, she is one of the main points of view. And then uh, there's this soldier, Bazarian, who, um, and so we'll see that he has um, friends who are LGBTQ. And um, so I definitely like, I wanted to keep that going. And so, um, so yeah, I already have these characters planned out. And um, so I'm kind of, yeah, I'm working to, to do that. And I definitely want to continue um, with more representation with other stories. So yeah, I'm just hoping to, I'm hope, I just like the idea of people being able to see themselves in these kind of stories, so. Absolutely, thank you for that, yeah. Well, it has been um, an honor <laughs> to talk with you. I feel like I'm sitting with, um, with um, the next big thing that is just, <laughs> guys, um, kind of a little Twitter painted over here fan. I'm a fan. I'm a fan. And just yeah. this was such a great opportunity for me. <laughs> are you kidding? I mean, thank you so, so much for coming on today and for talking with me. And guys, go check out everything that Rosalind has, but especially, <laughs> especially uh, check out A Sea of Pearls and Leaves, which just came out. And um, I like I said, um, that's as soon as we get done here. I'm buying buying that book. <laughs> well, thank you. Yeah, this was a super fun chat. Yes. All right, guys. Well, don't forget to hit the subscribe button so that you don't miss out on any future content. And I will have all of Rosalind's links uh, in the description below. Uh, definitely check her out on Instagram. Uh, follow her. And, um, and, uh, we'll talk to you guys again soon. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you everyone. And thank you, Anna, for this opportunity. Thank you, Rosalind. I, um, yes. Thank you so much. <laughs> Bye guys. <laughs>